Thank you. You may be seated. Well, good morning and happy Independence Day. And we have the double blessing of having a 4th of July where the temperature will likely be around 90 degrees or cooler. So we're thankful for that. And we are most thankful that you have joined us here this morning. It's great to see all of you, whether you're regular folks, your visitors, um, your weary travelers, or are you joining us online? We are glad to see you here today. And again, let me just say happy Independence Day. It's our pleasure that you join us for worship. It's always exciting to see you. And I want you to know that if you ever have any questions or have any prayer requests, there's a little tan card that's in your bulletin. Um, I would show you one, but I don't have one in front of me. But it says connect on the front, and that's exactly what it's for. It's a way for you to connect with us. So if you have a question, a prayer request, want to update some information, just jot it down on that card and put it in the offering box um, sometime during the service or on your way out. Um, Since it is the 4th of July weekend, I just need to let you know that our church office will be closed tomorrow on Monday in observance of that along with the banks. So if you um, need to conduct any business, um, you'll need to wait until Tuesday to do that. So the church office will be closed tomorrow. Some few few other things that are coming up um, in the near future. Next Saturday morning on July the 10th here at the church at 10 o'clock. there is a, a countywide, a monthly group meets from all over the county one time a month to pray for revival and spiritual awakening. And it's a good opportunity to join together with other brothers and sisters in Christ to pray very specifically for revival and awakening here in Johnson County. And we have the privilege of hosting that here at our church next Saturday morning. It's at 10 o'clock. It's 10 to 11. Um, they start promptly at 10 and they end at 11, so it's a one-hour time block, a very um, fast-paced, interactive time of prayer. I encourage you to, to join in and be a part of that if you're available. And then the very next day on July the 11th, next Sunday, um, Charles Garrett, along with the Christian Heritage Foundation, will be joining us um, to do a presentation with the ancient um, Hebrew scrolls. Um, be sure and invite friends and family And just to remind you again, it's the only complete set of Old Testament scrolls that you can see. It's not the only one that exists, but it's the only one that really is currently on um, public display, and it goes through through churches around the country. That's next Sunday morning during our worship service. And then the following Sunday on July the 18th, um, we'll have the privilege of hearing from our brother Freddie Signs. Um, you know, he and his family are currently in our mission house. They serve as missionaries in Mexico, and so... Freddie will be sharing a bit about their work and also be sharing from God's Word. And so I know you'll be looking forward to that. That's on July the 18th. And then one last thing, ladies. Um, I would say husbands, remind your wives, but you guys won't remember. So let me just talk to the ladies a second. Um, Deborah has walked around passing this out. I just want to remind you, next Sunday morning we are having a baby shower for um, Cephas, one of our, our sisters in the Congolese Family, there's information, and we want to take opportunity to bless her and her family. And so you can bring baby wipes or diapers. Also, we're collecting donations, hopefully to be able to purchase a stroller. And if we get more than we need for a stroller, we'll either purchase a baby bed or just get more diapers. 
And so you can bring those to the church sometime during the week, or you can bring them with you next Sunday morning. And then we'll, um, Sister Rose is going to help us pass those items on to her, but we want to be a blessing to her and her family. If you do have your Bible, I'm going to read a few verses in Galatians chapter 5, um, verses 1 through 6, and then read the 13th and 14th verse um, together. But I wanted to, while you're turning there, to, to let you know and just to tell you that 245 years ago today, the Second Continental Congress met, signed the Declaration of Independence. And you may remember these famous words, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we remember that freedom... For our country came at a great cost. And that freedom comes with a great responsibility to, to serve others, to live as ambassadors for freedom and for the good things of life. But I want to tell you this morning that our ultimate calling as followers of Jesus is not to serve the United States, and it's not to make America great. Now, I love our our country. I love our, our flag. I'm proud to be an American. But our calling as followers of Jesus is to make a great God known to a hurting world, to serve His kingdom, to follow His leadership. And in another way, I tell you that our freedom in Christ comes with an even greater responsibility. I think sometimes we get so caught up in the fact that we live in a free country and we have all of these rights that we forget that God created us for so much more, for eternity. Singer-songwriter Rich Mullins wrote these words in a song called Land of My Sojourn. So I'll call you my country, but I'm lonely for my home. And I wonder today how long, longing, how much longing we have for the home that God has for us. And how much time we invest in bringing other men and women along with us in the kingdom. Because if you're a Christian, Jesus has set you free. We are free to serve the Lord Jesus. We're free to love other people. We're free to live a life that points others toward Jesus. And we get the privilege, the freedom of sharing the best news ever. Jesus came so that you and I could be free, free from sin, free from the law, free from death and hell. And in the words of Jesus, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. And with that, I say happy Independence Day. Paul, in writing to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 5, Verse 1 says these words, For freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. 
For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. And then down to verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you today that we not only celebrate Independence Day as Americans, citizens of the United States, but we celebrate an even greater Independence Day, an even greater freedom. Freedom in Christ, freedom to serve, freedom to love, freedom to live the life that you created us to live. And we ask that you would never let us forget that. Help us to see that we are here on this planet, in this place, for just a small part of our lives, but you have made us for eternity. Or to help us to see the the depth of love you have for us, the price that you paid for our freedom, our salvation, the joy that we have in saying that we have been set free, and the excitement of sharing that good news with other people. Help us this morning to turn our hearts toward you. That when we sing, we would sing with glad hearts, grateful, expressing our love to you for what you have done for us. You would help us to hear the words that you speak to our hearts. That you are faithful, that you are true, that you love us and you have good things for us. And when we turn to your word in a few minutes, help us to understand the truth that you have for us and apply it to our lives. Lord, as we think about the things that go on outside of our building, we do recognize that there is deep division around many subjects, that there's hopelessness, there's hurt, there's a longing for more, There are people that are in desperate need. Lord, I pray that even now or even today or the next day, you would send someone their way, that you would send me, you would send us with the message of hope. Lord, we long to see you bring revival and to awaken our community. Help us to see that that starts with us. Lord, even now, begin to work in our hearts to show us the things that don't please you. Help us to develop an attitude of repentance. Help us to see that you allow us to repent so that we can be set free. And that when we confess and we repent, we're set free. We're free to love, we're free to serve, we're free to praise. And so God, in these moments before we sing, help us to search our hearts that you would set us free so we can praise your name. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and we pray in your name. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us this morning?
If you have your Bible or your phone with you, turn on over to James chapter 5. And while you're turning over there, or when you turn there, turn to somebody either to your right, your left, your front, or your back, and finish this sentence. It's a good day today because. So take a minute and do that. It's a good day today because. And let's share that with your neighbor while you're turning to James chapter 5. It's a good day because, and I hear lots of chattering, so I hear a lot of people answering that question. It's a good day today because the Bible says it's the day the Lord has made, and we should rejoice and be glad in it. We're nearing, in, we're nearing the end of our study of the book of James. Today we'll look at chapter 5, the 7th verse through the 11th verse, and then a few weeks later... Um, and the 25th, on the end of the month, we'll look at the last part of the chapter 5 in regards to prayer as we draw that to a close. But today we look at these verses and I want to talk to you about just three words today. And those three words are hang in there. Hang in there. Hard times are never easy. It goes without saying. And some of you would probably say, if you're honest, I've, I've had a rough week. Other people would just say, you know, it's been a really difficult season of, of life. And that season may be a month, maybe two months, maybe eight months, maybe 18 months. It may be two years. It may be three years or even more. But the word the Lord has for you today is hang in there. Hang in there. Because God loves you, you can patiently endure difficult circumstances. That's the truth that we're going to explore together today. That because God loves you, you can endure patiently difficult circumstances. Or switch those words, you can patiently endure difficult circumstances. We just have a few verses to read in James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. And he begins simply by saying, Be patient, therefore, brothers, 
until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Will you join me as we pray? Lord, we ask you today to help us to explore this truth together. That because you love us, because of what you have done for us, that we can endure even in difficult circumstances. As we open up your word together, I pray that you would open up our hearts, our lives before you. Lord, you would pour into us the truth of your word. You would help us to rid ourselves of ourself, of our sin, of the things of the world. And that you would transform us by the truth that we will learn today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and we pray in your name. Amen. So because God loves you, you can patiently endure difficult circumstances. Now, I've already said that about four times because I want it to sink in because it is true that we can patiently endure difficult circumstances. We don't have to give up. We don't have to give in. But we all know that when life gets hard, many times we want to give in or we want to just give up. Some people like to just gripe and complain about it. Other people just get angry and they take it out on other people. And still others, they're going to fight back and retaliate. But today, God speaking through James, this half-brother of Jesus, says, hang in there. Be patient. Don't grumble. Be encouraged because with God's help, you can endure. That's basically the outline of what we'll look at today as we explore these verses together. And the first point there is be patient. Jesus will return. Life is filled with difficult circumstances. Sometimes it feels like we end one circumstance and another one begins. And most times there's not a break in between. And in the first six verses of chapter 5, James brings back a topic that he talked about earlier in the book, that there were wealthy landowners who were exploiting the poor. They were cheating them in business. They were taking advantage of them in the courts. And by the world standard, these poor people in James's day had every right to complain and to retaliate and to fight for their own rights. But as we're going to see today, the gospel shows us that there is a better way. That in Christ, we can be patient in the middle of difficult circumstances. And so James confidently gives us a command. He says, be patient. Patience. It's a Christian virtue that comes to us 
by the nature of our relationship with Jesus. Galatians tells us it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Literally, that word means to be long-tempered. It takes a long time for you to get upset. And it expresses itself in a willingness to wait on God and to trust in God, even when it doesn't seem to make sense. It gives us the ability to bear with one another and not retaliate, even in challenging times. Now, he gives us an example, and he gives us the example of a farmer, and the farmer is waiting for what James says is the precious fruit, the time of the harvest. Now, if you've ever done any gardening or farming, you realize very quickly that the farmer can only do so much. You prepare the soil, you plant the seed, you pull the weeds. If you have source of water, you use a water hose to to water, but really the rest is in God's hands. Does it sprout? Does it grow? Does it produce fruit? We don't have control over those things. The farmer must wait for God and trust God. In those ancient times, they had to wait on God to bring the rain at just the right time, that in the fall, that there would be the rains that would fall, that would give nourishment to those newly planted seeds. And then in the spring, before the harvest, there would be the spring rains that would cause the last growth to come and for the harvest to be produced. And James reminds us that that farmer just had to wait patiently for the harvest because there was nothing else he could do. And in the same way as followers of Jesus, we are to patiently wait for the return of Jesus. Titus calls it that blessed hope for the believer. That hope that we look forward to, that things are not always going to be the way that they are. That there will one day be an end to our troubles into our problems, into our pain. And until that time, God promises that He'll be with us. That glorious appearing, that blessed hope that Jesus is coming again. When's the last time you thought about that? Jesus is coming again, and since we don't know the time or the day, it could be today. Jesus is coming again, and when he comes again, the Bible tells us he's going to make all things new. He's going to fix everything in this world that is broken. He's going to make everything right. Pain, suffering, sickness, all evil will end. And Jesus, the one who is King of kings and Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, will reign forever. And that's a promise that we can stand firm on. And based on that promise, he gives us another command. James says, establish your hearts. A commentator, a preacher from another century, Albert Barnes, describes it this way. It's not being weary, not being fretful. It's holding up to what comes your way, standing your ground. It's knowing that one day deliverance will come when Jesus returns. And another man said it this way, it's remaining faithful through the ups and the downs of life. 
If you're like me, you find it really easy to trust in the Lord when things are going great. Everything's wonderful. There's a smile on your face. But when hard times come and you feel like your airplane is in a nosedive, it becomes very difficult to trust. But when we put our hope on the firm foundation of Jesus, we are safe and we are secure. But let's be honest. I mean, when down times come, it can be hard to stay positive. When your body hurts, when you're hungry, when you maybe don't want to be somewhere, when you're mistreated, when things are not going your way, it's really difficult to be patient. It tests your faith. And you're tempted, if you're not careful, to say things you wouldn't normally say. Because as James has told us earlier, it's easy to lose control of your tongue. And when we do that, we start to grumble. We start to complain. And James tells us the second part, it's on your outline, number two, don't grumble, you'll be judged. You see, negative experiences can lead to negative speech. And food at the right time can be a great comfort. Amen. See, James wanted his readers to understand the truth that hard times would come, but you don't have to grumble. That you're responsible for your words and your actions, even in difficult situations. Which is very convicting because that pretty much throws out the window the excuse, I've had a bad day. (laughs) That when you're unloving toward your spouse or some other person, when you're just a grump, you can't just throw in, well, I've had a bad day. See, we're responsible for our actions. And so James just simply says, two-word command, don't grumble. The literal meaning of that word grumble is a loud sigh or groan. What that takes into account is things that come out of your mouth and things that are in your head that people can read on your faces. Those moments when you just go, when you're thinking every thought in your head, but you don't say them, you're still responsible It's complaining or thinking about situations negatively. It's blaming other people for your situation. It's finding fault in everything and everyone. And James wants us to understand that there's a truth that's universal for everyone, that God will judge you for your actions. Bible's clear. Everyone will face judgment. Everyone will have to give an account for their actions And at the end of the day, there's only one answer that's the right answer. And that's, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. Because in that relationship, it's His goodness, it's His righteousness that stands in your place. And the reason He's telling us this is because when you grumble, you're making a a judgment. You're making a judgment about a situation, or in this situation, you're making a judgment about a person. And the Bible tells us that God is the only perfect judge. Jesus encouraged us in Matthew 7, challenged us with these words, Judge not that you 
Be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, that does not include discernment. It does not include understanding that there is right and wrong in the world. But it does not give us an excuse to grumble and complain because God's not going to let us get away with it because it affects other people. It dishonors the Lord, and bottom line, it's sinful. And so when you're tempted to grumble, there is an alternative. And you'll, it's very simple. When you're tempted in that moment, when you're about to grumble, you just stop right there. And you repent. And I say that word a lot because that word has a lot of power and meaning. Repentance is just stopping one direction and turning in the other direction. It's catching yourself. It's when the Holy Spirit says, okay, you're not in a good place right now. Saying, okay, yeah, Lord, I understand I'm not in a good place right now. And it's changing your direction. So stop right where you are before whatever comes, even though it might be the most wonderful, smart, pop-off answer you have. It's stopping right there. And then it's casting your cares on the Lord. You can look at 1 Peter 5, verse 7. You can also look at Psalm 55, 22, about casting your cares on the Lord. The psalm writer says that when you do that, he'll sustain you. And he'll never, ever let the righteous fall. And then in that moment, put others before yourself. Because selfishness always gets in the way. And when you think about other people, it's hard to focus on yourself. And then finally, give thanks to God. That is the greatest way to combat selfishness, to combat grumbling, is just to begin praising God. What are you thankful for? Philippians 4, 6 and 7, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, give thanks in everything. Giving thanks. It's just a practical way to deal with that temptation we all have to just moan and grumble sometimes. And sometimes it feels like you are the only person on the face of the earth that has ever gone through hard times. And we think in our mind, nobody knows what I'm going through. How could anybody possibly make it through this? Or sometimes in desperation, we say, I can't do this. Here's the good news. God never intended for anyone to ever do it by themselves. You see, when we receive the free gift of salvation in Christ, we gain the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the Bible tells us He is the helper, the one who comes alongside us. He's praying for you. He encourages you. He guides you. He shows you the truth. And He strengthens our spirit each day so we can hang in there for one more day. See, when you receive the free gift of salvation, you get the help of the Holy Spirit who helps you hang in there, helps you roll over and get out of bed when you don't want to, to get up out of a chair when it hurts, to throw off the covers and get up when all the world around you seems dark. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, but also we have the example and the encouragement of others. Men and women around us that God has given as examples that have walked 
with Jesus through the fire and the trials of life. Life. Those people who have seen the comfort of the Lord that are now given the sacred trust of offering comfort to others. You see, brothers and sisters, if you have Jesus in your life, you're never alone. You have comfort available to you. And James gives two examples of people who experienced difficulty and trials, but yet remained patient and steadfast. He gives us the prophets and he gives us Job. And so the third thing you see on your outline is that we can find encouragement in the right examples. Some examples are not worth following. Negative examples. Some examples are worth following. When you find a godly man or a godly woman that has walked with Jesus, someone that you can see by the evidence of their life that they trust God and they remained faithful even to the end. And as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, you find that person that you know is following in the footsteps of Jesus, and then you follow after them. Because Paul said to the Corinthians, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. And here's the great part of it, is we can find examples, wonderful examples, In the Bible, of men and women that stood faithful in the midst of difficult circumstances. James gives us two. He gives us first the prophets who suffered persecution while they were serving the Lord. I think it's very important that when Jesus was telling us what it meant to be a disciple, that he made sure that it was clear that we understood that it would not be easy that the road would be hard, and that if they persecuted Jesus, they would persecute us. And long before Jesus spoke those words, the prophets came along to proclaim the message of God. They were his servants, his messengers. And simply because the people did not like their message, they persecuted, mistreated, and even killed the prophets. But yet we have examples of men like Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah who endured suffering, ridicule, but remained faithful to God. And so James says, look at those prophets. With God's help, you can endure. But he also turns to to Job who faithfully endured in the middle of his trials. Now, depending on your translation, you may have the word patience there. You may have the word endurance. Um, I think if you've been in Sunday school for the past few weeks or if you've read the book of Job, um, you will see that there is a point in the story when Job loses patience with his friends. But what Job did not lose was his dependence upon his God. The Bible tells us that James was, Job, excuse me, Job was blameless and upright. He was a man that feared God, and God allowed him to be tested by the devil. And literally, he lost 
everything, but he remained steadfast through terrible circumstances. He lost his family. He lost his property. He lost livestock. He was afflicted physically. But one thing Job never lost. He never lost his faith and his hope. He stayed strong in his faith and he didn't curse God. God saw Job's faithfulness. And in the end, he received God's blessing. You see, there are blessings in the midst of trials. They're hard to see. Isaiah calls them treasures in the dark. Sometimes it's long after the situation that we begin to understand what's going on. My friend and brother, Leonard Jones, says this often when I call and visit with him about a difficulty. After he says the phrase, I'm glad you're going through this, brother. He generally says something to the effect of, often your blessing is a testing, and your testing could be your blessing. A psalm writer in Psalm 119 says it this way, verse 71. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Just being honest, I I can't remember the last time I woke up in the morning, took a shower, brushed my teeth, made a cup of coffee and said, God, it's good for me that you afflicted me. That's the attitude of those that walk closely with God through the midst of trials and struggles and difficulties and persecution. Because those trials test us. They refine us. They strengthen our faith. Paul, in talking to the Romans, Romans chapter 5, says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces produces hope. And so in those moments of difficulty, when we press into God and don't give in to our flesh and grumble and complain, but wait on God, we find hope at the end. And so let me just encourage you in this. Don't number your problems. Count your blessings. Because if you have Jesus, He will always be with you. He'll never leave you. And if you don't know Jesus, you can know Him right now in this instant. It's such the it's the most incredible, most beautiful thing in the world that when we turn from ourselves and turn to Him, say, Jesus, I can't do it on my own. He says, yes, I know. I'm glad you finally figured that out. And say, Jesus, I need you. I put my trust and my hope in you. I want to follow you. I want you to be Lord of my life, to be in charge, to be the leader. And I want to follow. The Bible's very clear that if you make that profession, if you believe it in your heart, then you are saved. You're a child of God. You have access to all of the treasures of heaven. See, there's only one way that you can hang in there when things are tough. We can't do it on our own. We need help. And the last thing on your outline just simply is this. With God's help, you can endure. With God's help, you can 
endure. You can hang in there. See, God has a purpose in everything. He wastes nothing. It's hard for you to see. It's hard for me to see. It's even more difficult to believe. Sometimes it's impossible to understand. And what we have to do in the middle of that is just to commit by faith to trust in God. Believe He is at work and His work is good and is always good. So for the follower of Jesus, Romans 8.28 is so true. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purposes. God is good. God gives good gifts. And God uses all things to work together for the good. But only for those who are called according to His purpose. Because God is full of compassion and mercy. We find that in the Psalms, Psalm 103. We find it in Exodus 34, I believe, that God is full of mercy and compassion. God loves you. It's so important to remind ourselves of this truth. God loves me. God loves you. And he cares about every part of your life. He cares about your work. He cares about your your leisure time. He cares about your problems. He cares about the things you like. He cares about your future. He cares about right now. And no matter what you go through, God will not abandon you. He was with Joseph in prison. He was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the, the fiery furnace. He was with Paul and Silas while they're chained up singing in prison. He's with you and me in the deepest, darkest moments. And Lamentations 3 tells us that His mercies never end. And they're new every morning. New every morning morning. We get a do-over every day. We can start fresh and anew, wipe the slate clean and start a new day. That's why Peter told us in 1 Peter 5 that we could cast all our cares on God. Why? Because He cares for you. You know, there's not a lot in the book of Ecclesiastes to find that's incredibly encouraging. You're going to be studying that in Sunday school. But I want you to find encouragement in this. In the seventh chapter, the eighth verse, it says, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. See, I want you to understand that the end is better than the beginning. I'm not a runner, but I can tell you this with great confidence. Anyone can start a race. I could sign up right now and start the Boston Marathon. 
Now, I couldn't finish the Boston Marathon. I Maybe not even finish a 5K. But I could start that race. There are millions and millions of believers that prayed a prayer. That bowed a knee. That maybe even were baptized in a church that started the race of faith. But crossing the finish line is what matters. You see, if I enter a race and I start off the start line, but then soon after just decide to go take a break at the first water station and not continue, that's not finishing. But finishing the race, even though it may take longer than you expected, even though it will likely be more challenging than you ever imagined, is more important than starting. Even if you don't finish first. And that old preacher said, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. If you start the race with Jesus, He wants you to finish and He'll be there with you all along the way and cheering along with you at the finish line. So hang in there. Life's not easy. There will likely be pain. But there will be an end to the struggle, an end to your pain, an end to your difficulty. So hang in there. Requires patience, long-suffering. Requires trusting in the Lord to give us strength, to give us endurance. We're going to need encouragement along the way. Find it in the truth that Jesus is coming back. That other brothers and sisters are praying for you and that faithful men and women give us encouraging examples all along the way. And remember that one day Jesus is coming back and when he does, he's going to make all things new. But until then, Be patient, stand firm, and hang in there. Because God loves you. And you can patiently endure difficult circumstances. We're almost finished, but I want to give you just a few ways that you maybe can begin to apply this to your your life. So here's a few things to consider. First thing is spend time reading about and meditating on the return of Christ. So open up your Bible and begin to read about what Jesus says about his return. What the rest of the New Testament says about the fact that Jesus is coming again. And meditate on that. Just allow that truth to come in that Jesus is coming back what that means for the world, but what it means for you. Because that's where we find our hope. The second thing is find examples of men and women who, with the help of God, hung in there during hard times. Just do a brief character study in your Bible. Pick just about any Bible character, and you're going to find that they endured hard times and difficulties. Also, let me just give you... Um, Let me just take a moment to endorse Christian biographies. It's a phenomenal way to find encouragement 
from both men and women who have walked difficult roads, that have seen the faithfulness of God through all types of circumstances. So if you've never read a Christian biography, I encourage you to get one. Um, there are some, some great ones that if you um, want to just learn a lot and not want light reading, you can. Um, it's a publishing group from um, Youth with a Mission, YWAM, and they have some, um, some phenomenal um, biographies of both men and women that have um, both from way back to even contemporary. And it's a wonderful way to encourage and strengthen your faith. And then the third thing, ask God to teach you to be thankful in all circumstances. See, thankfulness, gratitude is a learned behavior. It's not in our normal nature to do that, but God is willing to help us. So ask God to teach, us, teach you to be thankful in all circumstances. So when you meditate on the return of Christ, when you find good examples of people who hung in there and you learn in God's school of thankfulness, that will give you strength and encouragement to hang in there, even when things are tough. And God will use you as a light to shine brightly in your family, in your neighborhood, in your church, for His glory. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for James. We thank you for his ability to speak honestly with us. To take real world situations and make them practical. And to give them... And to show the spiritual solution that is available. And so Jesus, as we come to this time of commitment... The clear call from this scripture is to be patient. You said in other places to abide, to remain in you. And that really is what James is talking about. And so God, as we begin to sing and listen to your voice, we pray you would help us to run to Jesus, to cling to Jesus, to see that as we grip tightly to him by faith, he is holding even more tightly to us. And that he won't let us go. That you won't let us go. Oh God, help us to be expectant, to be awake and alert because you're going to return. Help us to find examples in your word and through those that have walked along through the years in faith to be an encouragement and help us to to be thankful with your help. We trust we can. We thank you, O Lord, and we pray in that name of Jesus, the name above all things. Amen and amen. So we take time to sing together. It's the opportunity that we have to respond to the Lord and respond to the truth of his word. And as we've said many times, that looks very differently um, for different people. Um, that, can, that can come from quietly kneeling at the altar. It can be kneeling where you are. It can be coming down to the front and saying, hey, I just need you to pray 
for me, or I need to, to share this with you. It can be grabbing somebody and say, hey, next to you, say, hey, will you pray with me? It can be taking that first step of trust, of faith in Jesus. Saying, Jesus, I, I need you, and I want you to be a part of my life. I've done it my own way. It's not working, and I trust in you. Or it could just be making a commitment to hang in there no matter the circumstances. Will you join in standing together with me? Join in singing, and as God speaks to you, trust you'll respond. So let's sing together. believe that he is the anchor of hope in him we are safe and secure and he'll never let us go it's been so good to to be together to to sing and to worship hope that you enjoy the rest of your sunday the holiday whether you're gathering with family or you're eating some barbecue or cooking out or watching fireworks today or tomorrow that you would uh, enjoy the time and just in the midst of that just remember the freedom that we have because of what Jesus has done for us. It's been a privilege to worship with you. We're going to, to sing together. And as we begin to sing, you're, you're free to go. So let's, let's sing. And Lord bless you. Mm-hmm.